Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and like always, I have my co-host, Matt, here with me. The drought is finally over. Football season is right around the corner. It is practically upon us, if not already upon us. We have training camp highlights. The pads are on. As we sit here and record Friday night, the New York Jets just had their first off day of training camp, uh, at least recently since the pads have come on. As far as I've been aware, they will be off again tomorrow on Saturday. But we've still had plenty of highlights to watch, plenty of fun clips to see, plenty of storylines and and wordings of which players are breaking out and not breaking out and who's being played where and who's playing and resting and ha- getting injured or not getting injured and the whole nine. We are back in the thick of it. I could not be happier. Matt, I want to toss things off to you first and foremost, where just in general, throughout the first couple of days of camp, we've had a couple of days with pads on now. Wh- what sort of players, storylines, happenings, takeaways that you would have out of these first couple of days that maybe aren't getting talked about as much as the the bigger stuff that we'll get into soon. Let's see. The, the stuff that's not really being talked about that much. Um, well, let's see. You, you got the big storylines that we we're looking at with the offensive line, how the defense would look, uh, the wide receivers with Aaron Rodgers. So let's talk about the running back. How are the running backs doing? Um, I think they've pretty much been struggling other than uh, the occasional flash here and there. And I want to not really blame them so much and maybe put more of that weight on the offensive line. I feel like the offensive line as a whole has uh, been struggling in camp so far, uh, especially when it comes to the the uh, pass blocking and, and pass pro. Uh, they've just been getting beat like a drum no matter who's at tackle. Uh, and even on the inside, too, I hear uh, uh, Quinnen has, has been tearing up uh, with anybody else who's next to him as well. Uh, and, and, but then I've also heard that they, they're not really getting a lot of push or uh, or really having their way in the run game either. And I it, and it's really kind of reverberating back to all the running backs and their production. Uh, I think they there's I've only seen once uh, where. The, the running backs have, have really been praised for for turning it on and and finally getting the run game going. Um, and this is a problem that's kind of gone back to the last year when uh, once the Hall went down, we had that one game against uh, the Bills, and then after that, we weren't able to run at all. Uh, and we largely have a lot of the same guys too that are going to be back this year. Uh, if Tippmann's not starting, it's going to be McGovern. Uh, and then next to him will be Lakin, and then we'll have Brown. Uh, AVT, we, we're missing for most of the year, but even with him, uh, I don't think we're, uh, you know, barn beaters uh, as uh, as far as uh, run blocking goes. Uh, so this is something that I, I really hope is more early camp, you know, just getting our feet under him, uh, just trying to get back into the swing of things. Uh, but we're going to need this run game. Um, and I, it seems like they're really taking things slow with Hall, and for good reason. We want this guy to, to last a long time. We don't want to reinsure him. We want to uh, make sure he's 100% when we uh, get let, let him loose. So I'm fine with that. But we're going to need other people in the meantime, because not everybody is as elite as Hall. In fact, well, barely anybody is as, is as elite as Hall. Mm-hmm. So that means... There's going to be, they're going to need a lot of help from the offensive line doing their job up front, having their way, uh, and opening up uh, lanes for them to run through. And as of yet, I have 
not seen it. I have not heard of it. Uh, so that needs to change. That's that's the first story I want to talk about. And the second is safety. One guy that I've been that people were really not really talking about is Tony Adams. Uh, we we even going back to last year, it, it seemed like this coaching staff really had you know their eyes on Adams, thinking that well, you know what, this guy is probably the the, the next thing. We just gotta you know uh, bide our time and and he'll grow into the position. All of us kind of, you know, scoffed at it. Like, all right, well, I mean, he flashed here and there, but he didn't really show much. We need to get somebody else. We need more depth. We need more talent. Go get us some. Uh, but you know what? The team held fast. They 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 stuck to their guns and they they keep they keep putting Adams back out there, and he's making plays over and over again. Uh, so I think that a lot of uh, the the questions that we've had have already been answered and it's just now that we're kind of seeing that answer on the field and coming to terms like oh i guess the coaches really do know what they're doing and can see the talent that needs to be groomed and what it can blossom into uh so those two storylines are the two uh that i feel like haven't been uh talked about a lot so far uh but i feel like should be yeah, no, I completely and totally agree. Uh, I want to get into both of those. Uh, I'm going to go in reverse order of how you first did it, doing O-line and running backs, and then into safety, mainly Tony Adams, uh, and address that first because it's the perfect springboard, really, to kind of mesh my first takeaway and yours together. You're 100% right, Matt. They love Tony Adams. Robert Sala basically said everything he could have said the other day when he goes, the cat's pretty much out of the bag with him by now, where everyone knows they love him. They know they love him. They've known they've loved him for a long, long time. They've known they've had high hopes for him for a long, long time. That this was a player that they were very high on in the draft going into last year, ended up going undrafted and became a priority signing for them. And then he got into their training camp last year and absolutely blew everybody in the building away and was so good that they made him a priority, you know, person to stick on their 53 man roster. If I'm not mistaken, Matt, he was the only undrafted free agent to make the 53 week one. We eventually had some guys called up where Zonovan Knight was one in particular. It was a UDFA that eventually played. But in terms of making the week one 53 man roster, I'm pretty sure Tony Adams was the only one of 2022 to do so. I can't think of anybody else. It speaks volumes. It It speaks major, major volumes to what this coaching staff thought of him. And where I'm going to lead with this is I think he's going to win the starting free safety job. Because the money they paid Adrian Amos is nothing, and they can afford to keep him a backup for that amount of money. They can even more afford to do it now, so with the money they're not going to be spending on Aaron Rodgers, we'll get to that soon. But if Adrian Amos is your backup free safety, that's okay. You're not wasting a bunch of money. If Tony Adams is clearly better and he deserves the role, he will get it. And where I want to go with this, Matt, is that in my mind, and I think this is a fair assessment, I view him as part of the 2022 draft class as a whole. He was a rookie in 2022. He may not have been a draft pick, but he was someone that their scouting team had to evaluate, became someone they very much liked and wanted on their team, and then went out and acquired. He is part of that 2022 draft class. And I'm going down and I'm looking at the list of that class. And we know who's at the top. We know Sauce. We know Garrett Wilson. We know Brees Hall. We know those guys are fantastic. But the more and more I hear out of those first few days of training camp, It's like every single other player in this draft class sounds like they could be playing major time for the Jets in 2023. 
where Jermaine Johnson has been one of the stars of camp. That's all we've heard day in and day out is this guy looks ripped. He's completely transformed his body. He's gotten bigger, stronger, faster, more explosive, growing into that huge long frame that he had. And he's been tearing people up. Doesn't matter who he's been going against. He's been every single day. People were saying Jermaine's one of the best players on the field. He's forcing his way onto the field, even though they drafted Will McDonald, even though they still have Carl Lawson coming back two years from Achilles, they have JFM. Jermaine is going to make his presence felt. And he is sounds like if this continues, he is going to be a very, very highly respected primary snap getter for the Jets on that defensive line this year. Past him, I mentioned Sauce Gardner. I mentioned Garrett Wilson. We know they're going to be around. We know when Brees gets fully healthy that he's going to be a part of things. Jeremy Ruckert could very well find a role as that third tight end being fully healthy, getting an opportunity to get a training camp and learn a similar offense, a new offense nonetheless, but a not so different offense to what he just learned as a rookie and be healthy throughout and get to go on the field and practice in the same way. And the Packers also have used some H-back and fullback in their past when they had Hackett and Rodgers too. That could be the perfect role for Rucker. I think he could see some more snaps than people might expect, especially if one of their top two tight ends goes down with an injury. He's going to be the next man up, and we know the Jets play both of those guys when they're healthy. So I'm expecting Rucker to see some time. I think there's a good chance Max Mitchell wins the starting right tackle job. It seems like he's competing. Seems like yeah. Becton had a really rough day. Seems like he was uh, had a rough day, and then they shut him down for precautions over his knee. And Max Mitchell came back from a blood clot disorder and hasn't skipped a beat, and, and hasn't missed, didn't even miss an OTA, and, and he's been good to go. And the coaching staff, Sala again, brought him up the, uh, in his presser presser the other day, saying that they get to week four in Pittsburgh. And he's forced into starting that they drafted him. They liked him a lot, but they really didn't think that that was going to be the plan for him. They wanted to give him some time to learn and get used to the NFL and and not have to be thrown into the fire right away. But that's what happened. Injuries got the best of the team, as we know, on that offensive line. And they had no choice but to start Max Mitchell at right tackle week four against Pittsburgh when they kicked AVT out to left tackle on the other side. And he was great. He was really good for his first start as a fourth round pick against a good pass rush in the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had a very, very solid outing and he wowed the coaching staff and they said, OK, maybe he can handle it. Maybe he can do it. Maybe we underrated him and he gets another opportunity and he's just seemingly taken it and ran with it. Michael Clemens bulks up to 280, 290, 295, whatever number you want to say that he's playing so that he can play that edge inside hybrid role and fill in for JFM to be his heir apparent and give him a break on some early downs when he's the strong side D end and he needs to go run into a tackle space and shut down the run game. Michael Clemens is going to be great at that. I think everything we've seen out of him, again, haven't heard a bad word, haven't heard anything, but he's getting better. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's got the right attitude. You know, he's had a couple of sacks in training camp that I've seen from the live tweet reports. Guys doing work. There's, there isn't a pick in this draft class. That is like guaranteed not going to be playing a major contribution in 2023, let alone the fact that the Jets drafted the offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year for the same year and for the first for the third time in league history that they really could have had two offensive rookie of the years if Brees Hall stays healthy. It's wild. They also have these handful of other guys and an undrafted free agent that could be a starter that are all going to be significant players on their team with high upside and hopes for the future. That's one of the best draft classes I've ever seen in my life. 
it's hard to think of anything better than that, right? It, yeah, every single pick is a major contrib a major con uh, contributor. How? It, it's kind of wild, <laughs> and it, people will be talking about this draft for a long time. Not just the talent that has come from it, but for hopefully the success that comes with it. Uh, these are all very, very, very young, talented players that are going to be playing mm -hmm. uh, for fairly cheap for a good amount of time for probably the extent of the, the Rogers stay and a little bit after. Uh, so there, there's plenty of time to have uh, a tremendous amount of success. Uh, and if a lot of it goes is in part to that draft class and they're probably We'll probably never have a draft class even close to as good as that. Uh, so yeah, we're kind of spoiled in that. Uh, we we have that 2022 draft class, and then we're we're going to be comparing everything to it. Uh, and then you have on the other end of that spectrum the 2020 draft class, uh, who, yep. which has gone up in flames. Uh, who knows what what that's going to look like after next year? Whether it, it'll probably be zero players from the 2020 draft class left on the team. Um, so in in direct contrast to that, it's it's uh, you, you really couldn't have two further uh, ends of the spectrum uh, from each other. It's it's incredible to think about. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I'm I would have to go back and dust off some history books and go back a really really long time to to players and games that I had never seen, watched, or heard of to to get a, a, a an opinion on this. But if all goes as it's seeming to go, and literally every single one of the players in these draft class plus UDFA Tony Adams become starting caliber players for the New York Jets on their rookie contract. I think it's the best draft class in Jets history. Let me ask I, you this. Who do you think has the least amount of success from the 2022 ooh, class? Ooh. Uh, the down-home faithful is going to kill me, but I'm going to say Ruckert. Yeah, I was thinking the same <laughs> just because i've seen i've seen major strides from everybody else uh right. or already eliteness so, so but and pretty much yeah uh, that I, I just haven't seen at right uh, but uh, even not, if not at worst yeah if if everybody else gets to average between below to slightly above average starting caliber level ish could be higher could be lower but assuming they're all decent level starting caliber players at least, and Ruckert's a tight end two, three slash fullback H back who still sees some significant snaps, opens up some major lanes for Brees Hall in the run game, scores a couple of touchdowns on a fullback leak in the red zone when Rodgers is in goal line running play action, and does something to help the team win. Does is he a full time starter? No, but if that's the worst of your draft class and you had like five or six other players again, plus an undrafted free agent that are all starters, that is people GM's dream of drafting player classes like that. Like these are the classes that you you'll see YouTube videos on or whatever they're going to be using or whatever Elon Musk buys and decides to call the <laughs> site that YouTube will be by then you'll be seeing videos of people talking about the greatest draft classes of NFL history. And it's going to be like, the Jets actually drafted Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, Max Mitchell, all of these guys in the same class. And it, it, it's going to be historic. That's the only word I can think of it is, is historic. And that's been my quite honestly, Matt, of everything that has gone on. Aaron Rodgers being there, you know, 
hype, hard knocks, cornerback fights, head coaches spewing nonsense and, and talking trash and, and all this other craziness that has gone on this offseason, good and bad. This has been my number one takeaway that I keep coming back to is I cannot believe how good this 2022 class looks. Yeah. I mean, you're mentioning like all the hate and I feel like a lot of that is media driven, of course. Uh, of course. It's, it's everybody's that's not a Jets fan is like, oh, the Jets are being forced down our throat. So, of course, we're not going to like them. Uh, but at the same time, you, you can't deny that this team was built the right way. It was built with homegrown talent. This wasn't a team built with hired assassins. Yeah, we got nope. Aaron Rodgers. Great. But you know what? The bulk of this team and the bulk of the, the elite talent is team uh, is talent that we drafted. So we did it right. This is the right way to build a team through the draft. Uh, yeah, we got lucky that the bulk of it and came from 2022. But at the same time, it, it's still our guy. Uh, and it didn't happen overnight. This team took time to gel. Last year was pretty much the, the year where it all started to click where we all started to see glimpses of what was being built and the potential that was there. Uh, and we, well, everybody was saying it, all we needed was a quarterback. So, yeah, we got the big name in Aaron Rodgers, but this team did not just change overnight. No, this team won seven games last year in a very, very, very tough AFC East with the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. But without Aaron Rodgers, they won seven games. They beat Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau and their quarterback threw for like 124 yards and about 50 to 60 of it came on one pass play to Corey Davis in the first quarter. Like they still beat Packers in Lambeau. This team had talent. It already had talent and it was mainly drafted talent, like you said, Matt. So I'm I'm really excited to see them. I want to get into your first point and get all the way back there. The offensive line and the running backs. And I've alluded to this a little bit. Mentioning, I think Max Mitchell has a chance to be the starting right tackle. And I think getting a new face in on that offensive line could help. I'm 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 here, quite honestly, to to maybe quell some of your concerns. And, and maybe it, call it call it green tinted glasses or or or, or throwback white tinted glasses, if mm. you will. But I think there's a chance that by no means do I quite think that this offensive line would ever could be in the top 10 units in the league. I don't think they could be a top 10 offensive line, to be honest, with, with the way it's constructed, even best possible case scenario. I think that still might be a little tough. But I think there's a pretty solid chance that they can get to middle of the pack or slightly above average, that they could get within that 12 to 15 range. First and foremost, Max Mitchell starting, I think, would be a big help. Assuming Mekhi Becton is going to continue the trajectory that he has, and quite honestly, even if the difference between them in terms of quality of reps and, and everything in camp is, is dead even, I think you would have to go to Max first for the reliability aspect of, yes, he had to miss time his rookie year too. Yes, he was shut down for a season, but it was for, for a medical condition reason that has since been treated, and it's not the same sort of reoccurring injury like Makai has. So if you want your starting tackle to be reliable, you put Max Mitchell in, and if Mitchell goes down, then you've had Becton, who hasn't had to be playing, waiting in the wings. Hopefully, he can be there and come in and fill in, or if it needs to be Billy Turner, then it's Billy Turner. 
but I feel I feel like if it's even starting Becton at right tackle is asking for to just play Max Mitchell at some point in the season anyway. So yeah. I, I'm I I'm that. hoping that that Mitchell wins the starting job for that reason. As much as this run game moving past that spot on and right tackle, as much as this run game struggled, really, really struggled without Brees Hall. I think everyone is just focusing on the fact that it struggled without Brees Hall and is underscoring the fact of how much, yes, like you said, Matt, the offensive line was giving these backs no favors because they didn't have AVT either. And I think that's a really important part to remember. I remember seeing a stat after the first two or, or three or four weeks of the season that the Jets were averaging about like 5.5 yards a carry when they ran behind the right guard. That, that AVT, everyone was saying, was blowing people up on Brees' best touchdown run scamper in Denver, uh, you know, Brees lightning and all of that. It's AVT who was the puller leading the way that gets one of the ceiling blocks that springs Brees downfield that lets him score. Oh, this guy was so important to this line and was basically the only consistent player they had for the start of the season and then afterwards that once he was gone, it was like they didn't have anyone to lean on when, okay, it's third and one. We talked, we talked about this. How many times have we talked about this, Matt, between last November to now here we are in the end of July before the next season that it's third and one and the jets can't get a yard in the run game before in weeks one to three, one to four, not really week four. That's really the first three weeks before he got moved to tackle and then bounced around. But those first three weeks when it's third and one and the Jets needed a yard, they ran behind AVT and said, get us a yard AVT. And he did. And it worked. And having him back, I think is going to be huge. Outside of that, there are major concerns. Dwayne Brown, I played way better than anyone his age should have. And I am hoping that he can repeat that, but it is not set in stone. Billy Turner, when he has been on the field and been expected, expected to start, has not been good. Has really, really struggled and has really remained a swing tackle backup for that reason. We talked about Makai and his uncertainty. I hope Keith Carter smacks Lake and Tomlinson with like a, a whoopee cushion or something <laughs> on, on the first day of practice in, in pads to wake him up a, out of whatever donut-induced funk he was in last season where he forgot how to play guard. I, I hopefully that happens, but I'm certainly skeptical. And right now at center, we're either going to have a rookie who we think can be really, really good, who we know was really, really good in college. And we have a bunch of high hopes for, but is still a rookie nonetheless. And an Aaron Rodgers complicated offense. That's going to be constantly changing protection calls, let alone getting the protection call in at the start of the play, resetting it and changing it multiple times throughout the course of the play. That's going to be a lot for a rookie. Connor McGovern, who we've seen middling results from, and Wes Schweitzer, the new uh, addition from Washington, that has, again, been a guy that's been mainly a backup and hasn't had the best results as a starter when he's had to play starting caliber reps. There are major concerns from, in my opinion, from center to the left. I think the right side has a chance to be really solid. I think it could be AVT and Max Mitchell secure those spots. ABT already has his, but Max Mitchell as well. Secure their spot on that side and that duo and, and set the Jets up to say, okay, the right side of our line is good. We think the middle of it is going to be good at least in a year or so when Tippman gets ready. Now we can focus on the left, left side, and that's going to be their attention going forward. 
I think there's a chance that if all of that works out well, Dwayne Brown plays healthy, Lakin Tomlinson wakes up, McGovern either rebounds or Tippman wins the job and deserves it and plays really well and can handle it all, and ABT and Max Mitchell are on the other side, I think you can have a solid group. And I don't think it's going to be the the hindrance that it was for them last year, that they could not run the ball. They could not pass protect against any exotic look. They were allowing free rushers any single time any extra heat was set. It, it was a mess, and, and it just got worse and worse throughout the season as, as the injuries piled up and as different guys had to go in. But I'm hopeful that if things fall right, that maybe it can be better. And as for the running backs, the only highlight that I've seen out of these running backs is Israel Abanacanda scoring a 60-yard touchdown where he got a crease and then burst out into the open field. And that's all he's going to need to do this year, where give this guy an inch and he's going to take a mile. I'm, I'm excited to see Bam Knight. I hope Michael Carter can rebound. I think this is going to be a huge preseason for those guys to, to really battle it out and see you know, who has it, who can step up when the lights come on and when they get their opportunity, not behind the starting offensive line, behind likely a second string offensive line. I think this will be really interesting to see, but I, I'm not as critical doom point yet as you, Matt. I, I really think that there is a lot of reasons to be optimistic for this group and a lot of optimistic, a lot of reasons to be optimistic for the run game in particular, and none more so, and this is where I'll end, the fact that your your star running back going into his second year that's weighing 225 pounds, runs sub 4-4, and hits 23 miles an hour on a GPS like six, like nine months after he tears his ACL, I feel pretty good about Brees getting back on that field real soon. And once he is back on the field, I know the Jets are going to give him as many opportunities as he can to prove that he's back and, you know, take it slow, running back by committee. We're going to ease him in. All of that's all well and good here in July. But when it's the second week of October and the Jets are leading by four points late in the game and they're trying to put the game away and it's third and three, Reese Hall is getting the ball as it should be. So I'm, I'm confident. I, I wouldn't say that I'm sitting here giddy and hopeful and going, oh my God, this group can be amazing. But I think there's a chance that it won't be the, the clear detriment to all of the success that all looks like it could be in store. All right. So I'll start with the offensive line. And I, I do agree. Yes, the return of AVT will help a lot. Uh, there was, it was night and day different between when AVT was on the field and when he wasn't. Uh, and yes, Brown was hurt and he's old. Uh, but at the same time, the injury that he played with definitely took a lot of power uh, out of his game. Um, so yeah, if even if he's a little nicked here and there, as long as it's not an injury that uh, kind of sucks his power away from him, uh, then yeah, I could see a big rebound from him as well. Uh, Lakin and McGovern, um, I don't know that it's still a, a, some big question marks there. Uh, as far as Max Mitchell goes, I hope he grows. I, it would be amazing for this team going forward if Max grows into that right tackle spot. Uh, but even going back to college, I saw a, a big weakness in his game uh, is, was his power. I saw him more as a finesse and athletic guy uh, and not so much the power behind, in his game. Um, and that's really the, what my biggest worry was, is being able to kind of impose our will on defenses. And even in the best case scenario, I don't think we're ever going to be that kind of 
offensive line. Um, and that is where my concern is, is like when we get in those third and short, when we get into those goal line uh, scenarios, how are we going to adapt uh, if we do, don't have that power running game? If we don't have the ability to really just take it to defenses? Uh, and that's where I, my concern is. And I know that Hack, Hackett and, and, and Rogers uh, kind of thrive in the red zone. Um, but at the same time, they had a much better offensive line that ran the ball a lot better. Uh, and so I can see that uh, kind of, you know, coming into conflict with each other uh, this year. Uh, but yes, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of things that if they fall the right way, uh, could mean uh, all everything for this offense. Uh, because if we have a running game, that's just going to make Rodgers even deadlier as a passer. Um, and then as far as the running back go, and I think I'll just use this to kind of tie into our next point, uh, is, yeah, you have Hall uh, that coming back from his injury, uh, I think they're going to be a little bit more cautious uh, than maybe. Uh, I, I think you have the idea that if he shows that he's uh, as good as he was right away, that they're just going to throw him right back into uh, into like the bell cow role, role. But I don't think so. Can I uh, clarify a bit for you? Sure. Go. Um, not entirely that, but I think that NFL coaches once they are actually in the middle of a game coaching are different people than who they are on the training field practice camp in July. So that, that to me is thinking the jets are in a tight game. They're say it's week four, Kansas city chiefs at home. You're playing the chiefs. You have an opportunity to knock off the king of the crop of the AFC in your own stadium. You're up four. there's four minutes left. It's third and two, third and three. And Brees Hall's already had, 15, 19, whatever carries, and Michael Carter might be fresher, Bam Knight might be fresher, or where we're going to go next with this, Dalvin Cook might be fresher. But if Brees Hall is fully healthy and the game is on the line, knowing what I know about Robert Sala, I trust that his mm -hmm. thought would be, I want Brees in that game. I want yeah. him taking the ball. And so I think that it's going to be kind of a, they're going to plan to do exactly what you're saying, to be cautious, to ease in slowly, and Brees is going to force their hand that it's going to get into that game scenario and the Jets are going to want to win as they should. And Salah is going to want to do the best thing he can for his team to win as he should. And that's going to mean Brees Hall getting the ball. Okay. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I, I can see it kind of being like the defensive line rotation where mm -hmm. they're going to want to rotate a lot, but at the same time, they're going to want their studs on the field when it matters most. Uh, and yeah, I could definitely see that the, the, them kind of uh, rotating a bunch of guys in at running back uh, on an early downs. But then, if when the game's on the line or in those big moments when you when you need a spark, they're going to have their studs there, and that will include Hall. I, I could definitely see that, especially if he's showing that he's uh, all the way back or even mostly back. Um, but then that leads to our next point with Cook. Do we need a Cook? Like we we talked about Izzy, we talked that we have uh, Carter still. Uh, we got Bam who who flashed. Do we still need a cook? And if if we do need a cook, how much should we pay for a cook? 
Yeah, that's the big question. Uh, and where I want to go first with this is, at least from my point of view on the outside looking in, it's now been made official and confirmed by the Jets directly and Robert Sala himself. Dalvin Cook is on his way, is already in New York and is set to visit with the team on Sunday. That it's likely that he's going to take a physical, that Dalvin Cook said himself on Good Morning Football that the chances of him signing with the Jets are, are highly likely or something to that effect. Asked why did he want to go and join the Jets, he said Aaron Rodgers, as you would expect. We can sit here and debate whether they need a cook, whether that makes sense, whether they've done anything here. But the reality is, at least to me, it seems like this is happening. It seems like this is this is an inevitability and that this is going to happen one way or the other very, very soon. And barring some sort of unforeseen issue, the only real thing I think it could be, and Salah kind of let this slip, and I don't know if he meant to, uh, in his press conference where he had mentioned talking about this visit that they're going to come in, you know, work him out, get his medicals, that, quote, there's a few medical things that they need to check up with with him, which makes me think, is there some sort of nagging injury that they know about or are worried about, or that there could be some amount of other information on something that is going wrong that they need to make sure is okay? Assuming medically Dalvin Cook is okay, I I feel like he's going to be a Jet by Monday, and so we can we can and will sit here and debate whether it makes sense, whether it's smart, how much they should pay him. But but I'm going to call my shot right here, right now, Matt. Come Monday, Dalvin Cook is going to sign for the with the New York Jets for at least uh, we'll just go off the single year average per year because I don't know if it would be more than a year. I would personally hope it wouldn't be, but. A one-year, seven million dollar deal to join the New York Jets. That's my prediction. Uh, yeah, that, that I can see that too. I would say anywhere between uh, five and a half to seven and a half. That, that that would be the range I would be comfortable with, uh, and only for a year. I think this is kind of the thing because long term they're going to want Paul to be the guy, and I'm sure that. Uh, Cook doesn't want to be second fiddle. Like he, he wants to be the no. guy, uh, and I think he's really just kind of wants to join us more. So for the chance to to get a Super Bowl, uh, I know his main uh, squeeze is is the Miami Dolphins. Uh, it's where he's from. It's his hometown. He has made it very clear that he wants to play for Miami. Right. Um, so. Uh, this is sounds more like a stepping stone if he does want to uh, play here. Uh, and the fact that he's even entertaining that uh, is makes me think that it's most definitely not a two year or multi year thing. Uh, and it will be just a one year deal uh, to, to try to, you know, just build a team that uh, he thinks is, is, is ready for the, the big time. Um, yeah. So, but then at the same time, it, he's got to know like what he's getting into. He knows that Hall is the guy. That Hall is going to be that is is already, I would say, better than him. Uh, in, in the little that he has shown, he has shown the potential to be one of the best in the league. Um, and so, he's got to know that that's the route. He's the future, uh, and he's just here. Uh, to be part of the ride pretty much uh so what's that worth yeah that's that five and a half to seven and a half range for me um and then you're gonna have to look at what what happens to that running back group if we do bring cook in then you're gonna have five guys that 
probably could make this roster. <laughs> and then you got to kind of think about who's the odd man out there. Uh, and it gets kind of hairy. I, they're not going to cut uh, Izzy. Uh, nope. So I, I think he's a lock. So you got Hall. You'll have Cook. Uh, and you'll have Izzy. So then that leaves Bam and Carter. Uh, first of all, do you see them carrying five running backs? No. Not no, not if they're uh, carrying uh, fullback, right? It, not not if they have a third. They'll have at least three tight ends because it'll be Rucker, Uzama, Conklin, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming that they'll have a fourth. Uh, I think there's a good chance that they'll keep a fourth. Um, as far as I know, Nick is Nick Bowden still on the team. I'm pretty sure. So. He is. Yeah, yeah. As their as their primary fullback, so I think he'll make the roster as the primary fullback. Um, if they didn't have any plans for him, they would have just let him go because he was on a one year deal. So I, I'm assuming he'll be back. I I can't see them keeping more than four running backs because I think they're going to have too many receivers to want to keep too. Yeah, and that it's going to be we're going we'd rather have the extra wide receiver than the extra running back. I I couldn't tell you who I think would be the odd man out because just going off last year and last year alone, my gut says it would be Carter. But looking at things from the Jets' perspective and how we know this team operates, and for better or for worse, sometimes for worse and not as often for better, Robert Sala as a coach is is very connected to his players and the players that he really loves and respects and wants to keep around, he will keep around regardless of whether their performance necessarily dictates that they should. And he goes back to players he's familiar with and players that he enjoys and knows know him and know his coaching style and respond and guys that i'm sure are great locker room people and leaders and great examples for the younger players to look up to and say you know this guy's been in the league for however many years this is he solid can point to him and say you teach while i'm not there all of that i'm sure that's all important because it is but that sort of reason makes me think that carter would stay because the jets love michael carter they've loved michael carter from the second he got building and through no direct fault of his own. Uh, the unexplicable reason of, of what happened to him physically, it seemed like last year, outside of, of that, which we have no answers for directly, through no fault of his own, has he kind of fallen by the wayside. And I feel like it would be really tough for the Jets to do that unless that unless it was a situation where they were trading him to a place to be a starting running back or part of a major running back by committee and be the RB2 or, or 1B or whatever it would be. And I don't know if those jobs are available because they aren't available for Dalvin Cook outside of the Jets and the Dolphins. So it's it's really hard for me to sit here and be like, Carter's going to be traded or cut or something like that because I think it would inevitably be him being cut. I think Bam Knight's going to get like possibly dropped to the practice squad and then immediately claimed by somebody else. On yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. And and. Even as I'm thinking it, it's. I'm also thinking, who's going to be our short yardage guy? Because <laughs> these are all. It, would it be Brees? Because it's Brees. I, it was Brees last year. Do you not? Yeah, it, it was that's Brees the crazy thing is it was Brees was last year, and he and he was good at it when he was healthy. When he was healthy, that's the thing. I don't think that they're going to want him in those situations, especially right away. Uh, but then again, maybe not because, like we were just saying before, in those in those in those situations, in those major situations, who are they going to want the most? I got it. Okay, I got it. I I finally know what we can do with Mackay Becton. 
we make him a, <laughs> we make him a goal line fullback. There we go. Tackle him. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Here you go, Makai. Run straight. I, I, I'm not totally against that. Maybe even like a, a, a Strebler uh, uh, package. I don't know. I, there, I guess there's options. All right. <laughs> I, I think we could come up with something if it comes down to it. Um, but Dalvin Cook to to the to the topic of the hour. Um, this is very likely going to happen. And I don't think Dalvin Cook is going to be an outright disaster. I don't think it's going to be like he's completely and totally entirely washed and this is Le'Veon Bell, you know, re- redo all over again. I am i don't think it's going to be that. But I do think that the Jets are going to pay Dalvin Cook way more than they should and especially way more for what they're going to get out of him for this one year. And in the long run, I think they could be better served saving their money, rolling with the guys that they have or at the very least, waiting until the preseason to see what they have. Where if you're, are you that worried about Dalvin Cook joining the Miami Dolphins? That if Dalvin Cook goes to Miami, that that makes them unstoppable for you. That you need to have this done now so that he can't go sign with the Dolphins. Really? No, like, like the the world class sprinter that they drafted at running back this very past year didn't do that already. Like. Uh, the the two fastest receivers in the NFL on the same field together didn't do that already. Dalvin Cook's going to be the missing piece that does that. I don't buy that. So I'm, I think this is a rush move, and I don't think it's needed right now. I think you can have an opportunity to get into training camp and see what you have and evaluate your own players. And if after that you feel like you need to make a move, then you can go from there. And if you're worried about spending too much money, guess what? You already are. So what's the difference at that point? If you're desperate and you pay nine million, in my opinion, that's better than jumping the gun and paying six or seven anyway. It, it's it's a small difference in the final outcome, but a major difference in the process of how you go about this when you're giving up the chance to save yourself that money outright. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting. It, it, like we said, this is probably a foregone conclusion, and he will probably be a jet. Uh, I saw pictures. The taken in the airport where he brought his agent along. So uh, it sounds like it could very well happen that a deal gets struck uh, this Sunday, uh, if not Saturday. Uh, so, but you know what? And and I'm happy. You know what? Stack all the talent you can get because it's a long season and you need the depth all over the place, especially at running back. Running back is one of those positions where you expect injuries. Um, so Yes, the more talent, the better. We can worry about who um, makes the roster uh, when, when we get to that. Uh, but in the end, just get as many talented guys on the field as possible. Uh, and you know what? I'm, I'm as, as much as I kind of wanted to go in a different direction than Cook, I can't deny that he doesn't have talent. I, I can't deny that he has talent because he does. Yeah. He's been mm-hmm. a very productive running back in this league. And not just as a runner, but as a receiver as well. Uh, and he brings a lot of what Hackett liked. He liked those running backs that have uh, that home run ability. And he definitely brings that to the table. So, you know, it, it, it's a move that screams, yeah, it makes sense. Um, if it happens, might as well. Uh, it, That's it, what it, it screams it, to me. Might, as, might well. as well. Exactly. If, if there's talent out there... Uh, at, at a position where there's even some question marks, go get it. Don't all this questioning that we're doing. Maybe it's it's kind of stupid, right? It's like, why are we questioning built, adding talent <laughs> to a position with questions? It, it, when you put it like when I put it like that, it, it kind of just makes the perfect sense. 
to just do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think that's a good, a good place to end with this point in general is that there are valid reasons why it doesn't make sense. There's also valid reasons why it does. And those can't be ignored and those can't be just outright forgotten about where is it going to be an overpay? Yeah, probably. Is it going to be too much for a guy that isn't in your long term future and plans when you have young players that you've invested draft capital in and already seen some pretty good results out of that might be better served getting that experience? Sure. But at the end of the day, the Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers to win and compete for a Super Bowl in these next two seasons. And if at I cannot deny that Dalvin Cook would be the second best running back on the Jets with these what he signs. That he he would be better than whoever they have behind him. That it's not like those guys are so good right now, already out of the package, out of the box, good to go. That Dalvin Cook becomes completely and totally, you know, uh, not needed. That's what the preseason was for, was to find out if that was a possibility. But if you're going to jump the gun, then yeah, add the talent. Take a guy that's got home run ability. He had 1,100 yards last year rushing. Like it's not like he was coming off a bad year. It's not like he was, you know, completely incapable. He had 1,100 rushing yards. That that's for how few running backs are actually get the opportunity to gain that many carries to get that many yards. That's that's rare for these days. The days of there being 11, 12,000 yard rushers every season is just not there anymore. So 1,100 yards is a solid, solid year, and it was like his third straight season over 1,100. He had like 1,500 two years ago, and then 1,100 back back years after that. Guy's been very, very productive. He'd be a very, very, he'd be a talented player to add to this team, and he would help the Jets compete to win a Super Bowl, which is their main goal. So that's, it's a very flat out and simple point when you look at it from that angle. When you take out all the the analytical market value, money save context, and just look at it from the sense of does it improve your football team? In a lot of ways, it does. So I, I think that's a fair point, Matt. I want to toss it to you here for a last topic before we get on out of here. Aaron Rodgers has taken the biggest pay cut in NFL history to play with the New York Jets for two seasons. That is a real sentence. That's not me. That's not a <laughs> mad lib. That's not, you know, I'm I'm completely and totally of clear and sober mind. Like that is not a, a and anything else. That is a real actual fact. Aaron Rodgers took the biggest pay cut in NFL history to play for and help the Jets compete for a Super Bowl over the next two seasons. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, when I saw that news drop, uh, first I, I went through the the normal excitement that probably everybody else went through. And then I turned my uh, attention to what the Packers fans were thinking. Because these guys have yep. been like, praying that, that Rodgers would, would do something like this with them uh, and allow them to, to build uh, the way that they thought they should, and it just never happened. And then here he is coming to the Jets. He's revitalized. He's got more energy. He's more happy than he's ever than he's been for a long time. And he he feels like a kid again. He, he and all of a sudden, uh, everything keeps breaking the way that they hoped it would. Uh, so you, at, at, on one hand, uh, you, you kind of feel for them, like oh man, that sucks. But on the other hand, I don't really give a crap. Because guess what? It's happening with us. And we're in this position. We're in this position right now where we can have a great young team that's already that's going to be here for a while. And now we have this all-star, this future Hall of Famer that's coming in. And now he's giving us a lot of room to work with. He's giving us uh, a lot of, of money that we can spend elsewhere on this team to make our, this team better. That where we can spend money on a guy like Cook. 
Or maybe we bring in a guy like Quan. Uh, maybe we uh, bring in somebody uh, on on the offensive line uh, once cutdowns come. Uh, we have the money now to really kind of be flexible and and to attack these positions of, with question marks to really amass the talent needed to make a long run because this is a legacy move for Rodgers. He knows 100% why he came here and it wasn't for the money. It was to win a Super Bowl. Yes, to win a Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. this was his best chance. It wasn't the Raiders. It wasn't staying with Green Bay. It was coming to a team like the Jets. And we were the only team in this position willing to give up what we did to get him. And this is this has been his his plan this the entire time. He's a very calculated man who makes very calculated moves. So is Sean Payton, I hear. Yeah, yeah. So is Sean Payton. We'll get to that. Uh, but at the same time, it, it, it's this is what it's all about. To get himself into a position to win and then to help that team kind of foster that, that uh, environment to win. Um, so that's what this move is because he knows that if he, he wins here, he will be immortalized. He'll be going the Namath route in in folklore in this city and with the, throughout the league. And he's already kind of in a, a legend on by himself already with what he's accomplished. But this would be the cherry on the top. Uh, and you know what? It, it couldn't happen to a more deserving family. Yeah, no, absolutely no, it could not. Uh, everything we have been through, that is 100% true. I'll tell you the biggest thing I, I, I took away from this this entire restructure and, and announcement, and the ma- let alone the massive amount of money that Rodgers is taking less of what he was already contractually obligated to make under the deal the Jets traded for. Aaron Rodgers is playing at least two years for the Jets. Mm-hmm. Like that, well, that we know for a fact. Unless now. he wins this year. And and if he wins this year, quite honestly, I think there's think there is that <laughs> possibility. No, I don't think anybody's but anybody's going to care. And I can entirely envision a scenario where Rogers plays one year, wins a ring, retires on top, and that's the storyline. But with everything that we've heard from Rogers himself, from the players that have known him best, that were with him in Green Bay and have followed him to New York, to his former coaches, to his new teammates, from anybody is that Rodgers is absolutely loving being a Jet and that he's having the time of his life and that he feels revitalized and rejuvenated and that he feels great and awesome. And if he goes out and wins a Super Bowl in year one, the competitor in him might say, I can do it again. I, I can do it again. Why can't I? I just did it before. We're the same team. What, what big name expensive free agent are the Jets set to lose next year? Anyone? Anybody? Not, not really. No. Anybody? No, they signed Quinnen. They extended Quinnen. It was going to be Quinnen. Now it's not. There's, there's nobody that they're seriously worried about losing. This team will be fully equipped to run it back in 2024. And I think that could inspire Rodgers to want to stick around and play too. And I think that's why the contract is structured this way. And Rodgers has said himself, this team has spent a lot of draft capital and assets to get me here. They gave up a possibly... You know, two first round picks, you swap a couple of picks down and, and more than likely a first round pick in next year's draft. They gave up a good bit of draft capital to get me. And, and that would be a lot to give up for, you know, a one year sort of one and done deal. Is it possible? Sure. 
I'm not going to rule it out by any means. And Rogers has certainly hinted that it's a possibility to himself. But I think there's a better than zero chance that, knock on wood, the Jets win a Super Bowl in 2023 that Aaron Rodgers is ready to do it again in 2024. And even if they reach, they make a deep playoff run, then we know he's coming back. Then the 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 worry that we had for, for a while of, you know, oh, Rodgers is coming here to win, and, and what if they don't win a ring? Then is he just going to retire because he couldn't win a ring? No, we don't got to worry about that anymore. And the rest of the players on the team don't have to worry about that anymore. Everybody in this building has their eyes and their vision and their focus set on this year and next year to push and strain and fight and claw as hard as they possibly can for these next two seasons while all of their star players like we went over at the start of this episode are on their young rookie contracts and the core of their team is the young players they've built through the draft to take the additions they've put around in free agency before they get too expensive and they move on to take this superstar first ballot Hall of Famer quarterback they've acquired at the end of his career, who's completely and totally bought in and on board with everything they're selling, to take this window, this two-year window, and go for broke. And everybody in the building knows that, and everybody in the building is following suit. And Rogers just laid the biggest flag down to say, so am I, I'm doing it too, here I am. This is, if I'm a player in the Jets locker room, if I'm Garrett Wilson, then I can't tell you how excited I was to see that contract come out. He probably already knew being close to Rogers and talking to him. He probably already had an inkling, but how, how excited and hyper would you be to be Garrett Wilson and say, okay, I'm going to have this guy as my quarterback for at least two seasons. It's not just going to be one and done. And, and I can really grow and establish myself. And by the time I'm done with year three, I'm one of the best receivers in the league and everyone knows it. And, and this is great. And, and all of that, uh, you're, you're inspiring these guys to stay jets for the rest of their careers. And for so long, the Jets would have good players leave in free agency. Few good players that they would draft would never get a second contract because they'd get too much money somewhere else. And the Jets wouldn't want to bother taking care of their own players. Quinnen Williams is like the first first round draft pick to sign a second contract with the Jets in like a decade. Wilkerson, like yeah. like yeah, since Muhammad Wilkerson, like over a decade. So this is rare. And now you have these guys like Sauce, like Garrett. Like Jermaine, who seems like he's going to be an absolute terror this year for those sorts of players. Will McDonald, if he succeeds, you know, Joe Titman in the future. Once these guys get done with their rookie contracts, once they are ready to, to go on and go somewhere else, you're not going to be able to keep all of them. It's not a physically possible ideal that you could do. But the ones that you really want to keep, they might have more incentive to want to stay. And I think that's huge. It really is. Um, well, I don't want to get too far in the weeds for, as far as the future goes because. Uh, I feel like once once Roger goes, then so does a lot of that hype. Because if there's no quarterback, uh, that 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 the wind in that sails can can stink very quickly. Um, but for now, they they know what they're what's in store for them right now. They know Rogers is here, uh, this year, next year, and yeah, it, it's all all motors at full. It's all gas, sales no break. If all you gas, will. no break. Let's throw out all the the, the solid uh, uh, metaphors that we can. Uh, but it, you know what? It, and that's what it is. It's just go for broke uh, these next two years, and I'm all for it. You know what? I was definitely. Uh, I, I think we were, we were both more on on the David Carr uh, 
train uh, when when it came mm-hmm. to what we would do with a quarterback. Uh, but at the same time, we're all like, all right, if everything you know plays out the right way, if the price is right, uh, if we can get some like guarantees, then you know what, I'm, I would be fine with Rodgers. And I don't think anybody could have seen it breaking this way, where the draft capital given up would be what it was. Nothing even close to uh, Russell Wilson trade. Uh, and then this contract uh, uh, being reworked. Like, no, nobody could have seen this stuff happening. If, we, if they could, that would have, this would have been the no-brainer move. It would have been, yeah, do that. <laughs> Get Rodgers for this. That's absolutely, do that. Uh, so yeah, it, this, it really couldn't have gone any better. Yeah, no, it really couldn't. And, and the argument that we were making for, for a really long time, Matt, in February and January and, and all of that in the early, uh, early end of winter, early spring, before all of the off season went down, when we both, again, not going to sit here and hide from it, preferred the Derek Carr route at that time. Seemed he was younger. He was still plenty capable and a talented quarterback in his own right would come and revitalize the team and give them some hope just like Aaron Rodgers has. But the big stickling point that we had was it's going to take some serious draft capital to get him. You don't know if he's going to play for more than one year and he's making one of the biggest contracts and biggest average per year salaries of any quarterback in the league of any player in the league that his contract was completely and totally massive. Now, you know what you're giving up draft capital wise. It was a good bit, but I wouldn't say it was the astronomically high price that it was rumored to be at that time. You know Rodgers is going to be there for more than likely two years. And after this restructure, comparing it to Derek Carr's deal that he signed with the Saints, Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr are making the exact same amount of money per year at $37.5 million. And you're getting Aaron Rodgers for the same price you got Derek Carr. You would have told me that in February, I would have been all on board. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Without a doubt. It, it was always about what we would have to sacrifice for Rodgers. And the fact that he's the one doing the sacrificing uh, says volumes. First, about what he, uh, what his intentions are uh, and just where he is in, in his career and what he desires. Um, and I think at this point, every single person in the Jets organization and in the fan base, we're all on the same page too. Let's just go win one. Yeah. Now's the time. There's never been a better time. No time like the present. And I absolutely can't wait. Um, We'll spend a quick second mentioning this before we leave. Sean Payton, the new head coach of the Denver Broncos had some not so nice words for Jets offense coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, former Broncos head coach that Sean Payton is uh, taking over for, if you will, this coming season basically labeling Hackett as a failure and saying that he was allowing a circus to happen and players not taking things seriously. And he was the majority of the main reason why the Broncos were so bad. And that look at what the Jets are doing, that he goes to the Jets and they trade for Aaron Rodgers and they want to be on hard knocks and they're all hype and and they're not going to be any good. And and everyone's giving him all this hype and fluff for no reason has an interview with a, a with Jarrett Bell, a reporter. I don't remember which publication he works for, but a widely, fairly well-known NFL reporter, although not an Adam Schefter type, and lets all of this out and just empties the clip on Hackett and the Jets at large. And the Jets pretty much in unison kind of responded and were like, 
Yeah, that's cute. And moved on with their day. And, and I kind of <laughs> feel like that's what we need to do now, too. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think pretty much everything that Hackett said came from a place of weakness. Uh, and then his kind of, uh, he kind of imploded into himself today and kind of apologized, maybe not, not even really apologizing, but took it, took it back. Uh, and that kind of just confirmed the weakness. Uh, I think Salah's response to him uh, was amazing. And I think the, the players uh, kind of responded to that as well. Nothing that has happened with Peyton uh, has broken anything, anybody down or made him feel, anybody feel bad. It's really, if anything, just fired us up even more and made everybody uh, kind of just realize, you know what? We are that good. We are in a position to make the rest of the league hate us. And they're kind of embracing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. A absolutely. I think, like you said, Salah had the perfect response, quoting quoting a DJ Reed quote from a few days earlier in a presser. If you ain't got no hate, if you, if you ain't got no haters, then you ain't popping. And if that isn't that isn't the truth. But, you know, once you're successful, there's going to be detractors and doubters. And now the Jets are in the spotlight. This was going to come come with the territory. And I'll tell you what, Sean Payton, you're an offensive coach and and God bless you for that. You're an excellent offensive coach. No one's here to deny any of that. You don't coach defense, though. And I'm sorry to say there's nobody on this earth that you upset with that comment more than Aaron Rodgers, the biggest Nathaniel Hackett fan under the sun. So have fun week four. Um, hope your offense is ready to score some points because you're probably going to need them. I hope you do some uh, a little bit more winning in the offseason to prepare for yourself for the regular season. Uh, it's going to be neat. Hard knocks cannot save the Broncos. Uh, that that will not be uh, that will not be coming there. There's nothing they can do about that. Um, good luck, Denver, Week Four. Not going to spend any more time talking about this because I don't think it's worth spending any more time talking about. We have training camp, and in less than one week, we have an actual football game to watch. The Hall of Fame game, first preseason game of the year, Jets and the Browns in Canton with Darrell Revis and Joe Klecko getting enshrined into the Hall of Fame. That's where my focus is going. My focus is going to watching the rest of camp, seeing how everything plays out, praying to anybody that will listen that everyone can stay healthy and ready to go, and just getting psyched and excited for what's going to be the best season of Jets football that I can remember maybe since I've been alive. Wait, before we go, quick, quick, uh, uh, what, what's the one thing you want to see in, in the Hall of Fame game? Ooh, good question. I like that as a way to end. Uh, what's the one thing I want to see in the Hall of Fame game? I got an off the, the random cusp answer for you, Matt. Jarek Bernard Converse. I want to see where he plays. Is he, is, he's hurt, though, isn't he? Is he I hurt? He had a boot on the last time I, I heard. Okay, well, hopefully I, I, he can get healthy enough for at some point to play in the preseason. But I would like to get an idea of, of where he is. And if he's hurt and he misses the preseason, then, then we'll come up with a, with a counter answer here. Uh, to kind of go through. Um, Here, I'll, I'll go, and you can think of another one. Uh, yeah, so ahead. I want to see, uh, I want to see Zach show a little growth. He's had uh, a little bit of an off season now under the wings of Rogers. Uh, all we see is you know him making these wild uh, downfield passes, uh, and that's all great. And I've seen people calling him "Oh, baby Rogers" now. 
So I'd like to see a little growth from him in, you know, the simple passes in the, those passes in the flat, those just little slants, uh, you know, the little things I want to see him grow with the little things. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I was actually thinking of saying that, uh, before you, you jumped in and, and, <laughs> and went there. No, you're fine. No, 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 you're fine. You're, you're totally okay. You're totally okay. Cause I have a better one that I would have, that I'm glad that you gave me the time to think of. Cause I would have rather said this anyway. One, this is a, a really kind of complicated one. What happens with Jamie and Sherwood? Mm. Because if he plays, then there's a good chance that he won't be playing as big of a role as we've once thought, because Salah has made it very, very clear that their starters might not play in the preseason at all. And if they do, it'll be preseason week two against, I'm pretty sure they play the Giants sparingly. That other mm. than that, their starters are not going to see very much time in the preseason. So if we don't see Jamie and Sherwood at all in the preseason, does that is that a major indication that he's their third linebacker? And if we do see him, what does that say about who their third linebacker is? Uh, you know, what? that that point just kind of opened a, a whole can of, of, of worms, not just for linebacker, but for a couple of other positions where there's competition. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Who plays yeah. and who doesn't who and why? All right. Some things to, to keep an eye on. Sure. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody stay tuned or later next week when the Hall of Fame game happens between the Jets and the Browns. going to be a bunch of fun. going to be fun watching Revis and Klecko getting enshrined. Finally, Joe Klecko gets in. Very, very happy for him. Revis' first ballot as he deserves to. Aaron Rodgers took a $35 million pay cut to play for the New York Jets. That's a real thing. We have a very, very short time before this historically long mythical offseason is going to be over and we're going to finally get to the regular season. Hard Knocks is coming out next week. One Jets drive coming out the night before. It's going to be all Jets all the time. I, I absolutely can't wait. I, I appreciate everybody stopping by and tuning in. I hope you keep it right here with us as we break down the season, get through each and every game and go along this ride with us one step at a time. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure stop by, follow the podcast at OKD podcast on Twitter or X or whatever, I guess it's being called now. I'm still going to say Twitter. Still if that's a Twitter. problem. <laughs> right. If that's a problem for you guys, then, you know, go listen to something else. That's cool. No hard feelings, but we're still going to call it Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at OKD podcast. You can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Matt, let the people know where they can find you. You can find me, Matt, at Dazzy Jet. Appreciate you guys stopping by one more time. Next week, we'll be back to hopefully review the Hall of Fame game, review some more of training camp. All good well, good wishes, good health for everybody involved. Thank you guys one more time for tuning in, and we'll talk real, real soon. Bye-bye.